Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the Layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. And we made it. Of course, geeks. Flight 97 to Faro. Ah, well, that's where you just were. <laughs> exactly. That's not a surprise for those of you who listened to the last episode, because, yeah, that was my vacation. It's a lovely little airport. We go there quite a lot. It was my first time. It's a nice airport. Have you been a long time ago and also recently? or? Yeah, both. So you've seen the changes because it looked pretty new. Yeah, every time we went, it felt like it was perpetually under construction, but I was glad to see <laughs> that it's finally finished. It's a Yeah, I like it. It's a neat little airport. A fun approach. Yeah, indeed. We'll come to that. And also, happy Independence Day, Alex. Thank you, yeah. Gonna have some burgers later because I think that's the only thing I can do here. <laughs> well, we have good weather in London today. So, guys, you're smart enough to understand that we're recording July 4th, 2019. Although you will have that in probably five days to maintain the two weeks gap. A two weeks gap that might go into four after this <laughs> one because travels is coming up and Alex yeah. is uh, going into his usual summer destination is going to be in California. So that's always getting a little bit more challenging to record. We'll see. We always say we cannot and then we can, but maybe not. You'll see, guys. I don't know. And it's the Independence Day for the US and not uh, Brexit, right? Uh, let's be clear about that. <laughs> and also, since we're talking about these two countries, the US soccer team football, as I call it, has won the SEMA. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was good. It was a great game. It was a great game. It was such a good advertisement for football in general, but particularly for women's football, which I actually prefer watching. It's just so much more entertaining and there's no diving or theatrics or any of that nonsense. Rub it in, rub it in. I couldn't watch the game and I was texting Alex, what's going on with the game? I was I was so upset I couldn't watch it. And I saw the one last night between Sweden and Netherlands, which was an okay game, but oh man. Uh, but I'm happy. Although I live in the UK, I was supporting the US and I hope they win. The final is on Sunday, I think. Sunday, yes. Third place yeah, playoff so. is on Saturday. So by the time this episode is out, guys, you will have known if the US team has won the World Cup. It's a cool World Cup. I really like the great. fact that uh, it's being more broadcasted and advertised and past ones. It's really nice. Yeah, they've done a really good job with it. So a lot of this episode will be about the US, although we're going too far out. But let's start with something I forgot to tell in the last episode. And I had a lot of messages about uh, some stuff I didn't mention about Istanbul, the new Istanbul airport. Yeah. First, a uh, listener, and of course, when I say that, I don't have his name in front of me. So sorry for whoever sent me that, said, rightly so, that I mentioned four lounges at the start of my description of Istanbul airport lounges. And then I only talked about three of them the domestic and the two Turkish one. So there's indeed a fourth one, also Turkish. It's on the map. I couldn't really find where it is. It looks to be very close to the two lounges I mentioned, which are pretty cool. And it's called the Executive Lounge. And I'm guessing this is a more VIP or like super high status lounge. I don't know if it's open, if anyone have been there, but I have a hunch that it isn't because there seems to be, and Alex, you'll go one day, there seems to be a bridge that leads to it. And from the lounge, you can see the bridge and a lot of dust on the bridge. It has never been used 
so probably wow. that lounge is still closed. But it's on the map. So yeah, so sorry for whoever said that. You have very sharp ears to have <laughs> realized I forgot to talk about one of the lounges. There are other lounges, by the way. There's not only Turkish. I, I spotted a few premium lounges. Uh, is it premium plaza? I mean, you know, like these third-party lounges. So even if you're not flying Turkish, you'd be able to access a lounge. Another thing I didn't mention that was pretty cool is that, you know, in a lot of airports for assistance, they have these wheelchairs. And the wheelchairs are usually just simple wheelchairs. And in this one, probably because of the size of the airport, the wheelchairs are the offspring of a wheelchair and a Segway. So you have you have a person behind the wheelchair that is controlling the wheelchair, motorized, and browsing through the airport. That is pretty neat. That is such a good idea. It's it such a good right? idea, and I, I'm sure that other airports haven't adopted it because of a cost thing, but I'm sure that amortized over the life of that wheelchair or Segway chair, whatever they want to call it, it's got to be cost effective. It's also efficient and probably, I mean, I don't know, but probably you must have been quite a good time being driven in one of these I things. I thought so. <laughs> I mean, I've only been on the uh, the golf buggy things a few times before, and you do feel a little bit like a rock star. Uh, and I know it's, it's a little bit different, but still, it's bloody good fun. Yeah. Actually, you know, these buggy things, I hate the one at Heathrow. They have this weird sound, you know, shh, shh. Oh, yeah. I'm fascinated by that because there's been a lot of study in how sound travels and how direction is, quote unquote, broadcast from sound. A lot yeah. of sirens have that sound underneath the main sound so you can actually get a much better sense of where the sound is coming from. Which I oh, I see. Is, oh, wow. Which is why they use something. that particular sound. Yeah. I know that some lorries have that when they go backwards yeah. as well. This similar type of sound. No, the reason linked to Istanbul Airport is that they've done something pretty simple but pretty smart. On the ground, you have stickers that basically show this is a buggy route. So you know that buggies are traveling on this. That's and a it's, good idea. You know, the corridors are really large. So you know that if you walk there, you might actually encounter a buggy. And I find that's a pretty neat idea, actually, to have thought about that whilst planning the airport and not just because in some airports you literally see the buggies trying to i was make. just gonna say that yeah you, you you get and they don't have a whole lot of room either because especially exactly. on those busy corridors out to a pier of gates that reminds me of that uh, famous scene in austin powers where the guy is trying yeah. to make a u-turn <laughs> i love that scene i think about that scene a lot i don't know why uh, but the third thing, the third thing that was really impressive, that was a total surprise. So remember, guys, I was telling you, I was in the main terminal. I mean, there's only one terminal. The main part of the main terminal where all the duty-free, massive duty-free, by the way, is. And I was looking for that hotel, Yotel. And I wasn't sure where it was. And I find one of these, you know, information maps. And it's a big screen in portrait mode. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm going to go there. I'm going to see the map. Strangely, there's only one single red button. There's not a keyboard. I press the red button, the map appears, and suddenly, and that's completely insane, suddenly there's a customer representative, his face, live, talking to me and asking me, so where do you want to go? Wow. <laughs> I was like, what? You know? that, I don't do, that's cool. 
<laughs> that's cool but that was very striking i was like oh shit well, how do i look like do i look like nice he's looking at me right now and i was like uh i want to go to hotel and amazingly he says okay sir presses probably some kind of button and on the map live at the same time as watching him he's watching me the map appears and the path appears on it wow i've seen the, those ones where you in shopping malls and sometimes in airports where you have you know, you say where you want to go and it says you're here and then it maps it for you. Yeah. But I've never, ever seen anything where you're actually talking to somebody. <laughs> yes. And, and I can imagine they must have like a roster of people standing in front of computers just waiting for people to call them. But it was totally surprising. Yeah. Again, you see that they thought about it. I'm not sure it's necessary, a normal map, but probably, you know, for people that are not very good with computers or whatever, having just someone, you know. And, you know, at the first second I thought, okay, this is one of these fancy fake robots, AI, whatever, mm. and that's going to fail. No, it was an actual person. That's so so cool. eh, pretty cool. What a good idea. Yeah. A few reviews and feedbacks, as we always do when we start these episodes, on Apple Podcasts first, on iTunes, five stars from Schledewigs. I'm so sorry, man. I, I don't know how to pronounce your name. S-C-H-L-E-D-E-W-I-T-Z-G. That's wow. a lot of consonants there. I could win at this game. What's the game when you put the consonants in the vowels? And yet... <laughs> <laughs> no, not Scrabble, the one on TV. Oh, Real uh, Fortune, yeah. So from the United States, love it, can get enough. Thank you so much. And by the way, guys, since we're talking a lot of news in the U.S., uh, please, we never asked that, but please give us a little bit of reviews in the U.S. Because out of all the rankings out of podcasts, the U.S. is slightly lagging compared to the rest of the world. We'd appreciate a little bit of push in the U.S. Thank you. Yeah, I'm shameless here. Um, <laughs> then from Travel Man Pod on oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. Great podcast content, gents, enthralled by the content. I love planes and aviation, and you guys know your stuff. Thank you. Obviously, he knows you, Alex, uh, from your brilliant series, Attaché Travel. Very and uh, he calls me very knowledgeable and interesting to listen to. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, we also had a shout-out from Seat1A. They are on their episode 18. I think they call their episodes experiences. Experience 18. They really oh, talk about... Cool. The passenger experience is pretty cool. It's uh, made by Vinod and Jeff. And at the, I think at the tail end of it, they say that we were an inspiration for them to start podcasting. So I don't know about that, but, you know, the more the merrier. It's always yeah, great absolutely. to have. I've been listening to you guys from the beginning because when I saw something called Seat 1A, I'm like, hmm, that sounds yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and it's a, it's a very cool name and a very cool podcast. Also shorter than ours uh, because sometimes people say that hours last for too long. I'll come to that in a, in a minute actually and they also gave us a shout out so seat 1a on twitter thank you for such wonderful content and for being an inspiration to enter the aviation podcasting world wow. well welcome thank you guys we are very thrilled to have you with us yeah also a shout out to at dan luttrell l-u-t-t-r-e-l-l he sent us a picture of him listening to our podcast on a flight with aa from uh, DFW to MCO. DFW is Dallas. Dallas and MCO. What is MCO? Orlando. Thank you. Alex is American and not. That shows right there. <laughs> and the picture is on the safety leaflet of AA of an A321S. And I was, what is S? It's not a variant from an official variant from Airbus. Probably you know it, Alex. Uh, no I've is? seen it once before, and I think I sent it to you going, what the hell is this? But I don't actually <laughs> know. I, I can't remember what it means. So according to a pick, the first one who answered to us, 
Anthony Woods 19 on Twitter. S means sharklets. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess that I guess that must mean that the plane is differently configured in some regard, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't need a separate safety card. Right now, guys, I wish that this podcast had been a video podcast because looking at Alex's face when I explained <laughs> sharklets was priceless. <laughs> he was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Uh, so I said our our podcast length is up for debate since we started it. Some people want it to be forty five minutes. Some people want it to be ninety minutes. Some people want it to be sixty minutes. We have all variants of people. We let go of this debate ourselves a long time ago. We just babble until we have no yeah. more news. That leads us to a sweet spot of around an hour and 40 minutes. So for those who don't know, I said it like 20, 25 episodes ago. For those who don't know, there are chapters. I create chapters every time in each episode, which allows you to jump back in and out of the podcast. If you think it's too long and you want to listen to uh, us babble in one go, and we understand, you know, listening to us for an hour and 40 minutes is, is pretty heavy. Uh, so podcast chapters have been introduced in Apple Podcasts now, so you can use it on your iPhone. They exist on many, many, many uh, podcast uh, apps. They do not exist yet on Spotify, however, and we know that we're gaining a lot of traction on Spotify, so sorry for you, but I'm sure that Spotify will come up with a chaptering solution pretty soon because they're investing a lot of money into podcasting. So there you go. So we're not going to change our timing. (laughs) This episode might be shorter, actually, than the usual ones, but we never know because we always go on tangents (laughs) when we talk and suddenly we're like, okay... (laughs) And guys, I usually leave at least 20 minutes out on the cutting floor. So we usually actually rumble for almost two hours. Imagine that. Alex has to suffer through two <laughs> no, hours. No, no. I mean, but you're right. We do we do go from, you know, from 10 a.m. to noon or, or whatever on the nose. It's, it's again, we go until we run out of things to talk about. Exactly. And it always seems to be, you know, you plan the episode and you structure them, but we always seem to hit that spot. It's, exactly. It's how much we deviate and, like you say, whatever ends up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> so then a few feedbacks that are linked to our uh, previous episode. There was one on Instagram from Fee Arrange. He or she doesn't have he, a name. Yeah. I think it's a he or he. <laughs> he sent us this awesome picture of a Lamborghini Adventador a green one in front of an aircraft at Mojave in the, you know, the the graveyard for aircraft. It's absolutely amazing. His profile says he's a racetrack driver. So I guess maybe you're also a car collector to have access to an Aventador, but that's, the picture is amazing, man. Really. He does uh, post some incredible food on his Instagram as well. Which, oh wow! Yeah, he's often commenting on uh, Mastication Nation stuff, and we always talk about his stuff because it's usually delicious. He's got great tips, especially for Southeast Asian food in the LA area. So if if you ever need to do that, then that is your guy for the knowledge. So F E Arrange on Instagram, guys, follow him, and thank you really for that picture that was on point with what we said about Bologna Airport in the last episode amazing please keep sending us stuff like that it's i'm not a car person but this is such a cool cool. (laughs) you should do a poster for your for your kid alex with that one yeah that's a cool cool picture (laughs) i'm just looking at it now Uh, talking about having a car that drives you to the airport we often talk about uber and i just wanted to have i know it's a parenthesis almost in this show i wanted to have your thought alex you know the app called my taxi Yes, I know where you're going with <laughs> What is the new freaking brand called Free Now? It, what do you what think? What a train it's, wreck. 
My goodness six. I don't get it. So guys, uh, my taxi is Daimler's answer to basically Uber. So it's a ride-sharing app. Very potent in Europe, actually, because you have some European countries where Uber is non-existent and or not very wide. And my taxi uses a lot of, of course, taxi, as its name says. And I guess they wanted to shy away off taxi, but free now? It's such <laughs> a poor idea because they they got a lot of people going, so is it is it free? I don't have to pay anymore? Or <laughs> exactly. it was just, it caused a lot of confusion. I think it was badly thought out. I'm sure they've got some massive white paper on what the brand is supposed to mean and all that crap, but it doesn't really matter because the zeitgeist will define what your brand means. Yeah, I, I don't know. They went on a, on a shopping spree and bought a lot of the local apps like this uh, in the past two years, including one in Greece called, used to called Taxi Beat, and now it's called Beat. If you guys listening to us from Latin America, you might have heard about it, especially in Peru, I think, but also Brazil. They just re-entered the market. But that's the thing. So Beat stays Beat and they have free... I don't, I don't get the value proposition, how they do this. I mean, anyway, it was just a comment on passing because it's really free now. I yeah, I... Get it. <laughs> uh, though Alex is today, you cannot see him because it's not a video podcast, but Alex today is wearing the right colors for it. He's in red, like free now. But you have a much better t-shirt. It's a TWA. It's awesome, man. Yeah, I was so stoked to get this because of what it is and where I got it. I love old airline heritage stuff, but I got to go to our cathedral, if you will, of, of that um, by accident, actually. Tell us a story. I Come went on. to the TWA hotel at JFK last week actually and wow yeah it was super cool i i we were in new york in queens specifically filming an episode of attache and there's a piece in the script which you'll see when it when the episode comes out about the airports because queens is home to jfk and laguardia and we wanted to get some shots of jfk but not actually at jfk so there's a place just before you go over to the rockaways where the planes take off over the top of you and you're on a beach and it's nice but we weren't getting what we wanted. So I was I was in a bad mood and I was like, let's just go to freaking JFK. I don't want to go to JFK. It's going to take forever <laughs> to get back. It's one of the few airports in the world that I don't really want to go to. So we took an Uber over there and halfway there, I was like, oh, wait a minute, we can go to the JFK hotel and, and do some stuff there and, and have a look around. And it's so easy to get to because it's right off of the air train. Wow. The air train, there's a one loop that goes around all the terminals. And yeah. You get off at Terminal 5, and at the very end of the terminal in arrivals, there is a ramp, which is the, still the original futuristic tube ramp to the spaceship that is JFK Terminal 7, which is actually supposed to look like seagulls taking flight. And it is everything that I hoped it would be. Oh, wow. It is. It was empty, like bar, maybe 10 or 15 people, because it's essentially the lobby of the hotel now. And you've got the, the newly constructed wings of the hotel, which are pretty much separate from the original structure itself. But they've got the original clatterboard time, you know, the, the departure boards. Yeah, yeah. And actually, they were reprogramming one of them. Each one is this own little Wi-Fi control. Each letter, each character is its own little Wi-Fi controlled like box. What do they display on it? There's two and they look like sort of eggs on a stick. Yeah, You'll yeah, remember yeah. them from the pictures and they've done a really good job of maintaining them to look like they were the originals if they aren't the originals. The one they were programming was showed the TWA logo. Okay. Like, you know, with all of the different colors, like almost like pixels, if you will. The other one, Greg and I were trying to work it out. It showed departures 
And it was a mixture of what I think were live departures and departures of long defunct airlines going to cities that wow. aren't called that anymore. Or I'm very sure they don't go to like Pan Am to Tripoli. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but the people behind the check-in desk were in vintage attire. Oh, my There God. was a bank of payphones from the 60s. The check-in desks were maintained with the various airlines that would have operated out of there alongside TWA. There were vintage cars. There was this elevated, two elevated... Um, there's a coffee shop and a diner serving serving great food. And of course, the shop where I got the t-shirt, which has got a bunch of other great stuff. But they have done, they must have, they're going to lose money on this. There's no way that they can't lose money on this. <laughs> I know it's had some teething problems, but what hotel that cost a quarter of a billion dollars doesn't have teething problems in its first few months? It is wonderful. It is absolutely required visiting when you go to JFK. Even if you only have half an hour, go. It's so easy. And the cherry on the cake is that parked between the TWA hotel and the Terminal 5 is a Lockheed Constellation. Oh my God. Yeah, we talked about it. Wow. Which is now a bar, which seems a little bit like a waste, but you can go on it and walk around and they've maintained the flight deck, the comms panel or the comms section, and then the back of the airplane, there's some seats and everything like that. It's a beautiful airplane. It's a wonderful airplane. And on the top, there's a pool which overlooks the airport. So it's just, it's so great. I hope it lasts years and years and years and years and years. I cannot recommend it enough. If you're not an AV geek, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but if you're an architecture geek, if you're a 60s geek, if you're a car geek, there's just so much going on there. It wasn't busy at all. We went on a weekday, kind of 11 a.m., Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I'm so glad that, that fate took us there because I don't think uh, we would have had time otherwise. You posted a few pictures. Was it on Instagram, I think? Mm -hmm. uh, it was, yeah, I was so jealous. It looks really fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So if you want to have access to the rooftop, you need to book a room? I'm not sure. We didn't actually get up there, but I don't think you do. I think you can just go up there. They realize what they have created and how important it is to people and how important it is to new york and how important it is to, to jfk so i most of it is available to anybody you can just go and and, and enjoy it you're gonna it's amazing yeah wow. i think like you can get a room for 250 bucks a night which actually for new york is very reasonable we mentioned in the last episode you could also get like i think four hours block a day room so, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. they've done such a sympathetic job of the of the restoration it's wonderful it's absolutely wonderful that's amazing. I'm so happy because there were so many risks yeah. that they would not respect the brand and the era or they would not respect the building and try to cram stuff that was not representative of what it actually was. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear about that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you're right. There was a lot of teething problem. We had like comments in the past. We also had a recently our longest feedback ever actually by one of our most loyal listener office wayfinder on Twitter who said that probably the hotel was opened uh, a month too soon. Yeah, it's possible and you're probably right. But like you said, rightly so. So any project that size has teething problem at the beginning. I also don't think that you're going to really unveil or, or, or figure out these problems until you have a people, terminal velocity yeah. of or critical yeah. mass of people. Customers, yeah. Going absolutely. through it and, and stress testing it. You're absolutely right. But oh, I'm so... At first, I'm jealous, as you heard I said before, but I, I need to plan to go there. I need to, I might have a shot in the fall, so I might just go, even like you, just to visit for, for a couple of hours 
or book a room for four hours yeah. if you have the excuse to see the the apron. I, I really, I'm so happy that they didn't end up destroying that building. I, I am too, because it must have been so tempting given how expensive and necessary real estate is in JFK. But they didn't, and they, they've done exactly the opposite. But Office Wayfinder agrees with you. He says it's absolutely amazing and it's a magical property. So yeah, I'm... Ah, man, damn it. Uh, so I said it's his longest uh, feedback ever and the longest we ever had. So man, I'm not going to uh, quote everything you told us because that could take like 25 minutes on this show. <laughs> but interestingly, the bit that will lead to the flights that you've taken, Alex, in a minute... So he's often commenting about, obviously, I think he's the airman in the U.S. Air Force, and he travels a lot with different airlines. So he has a very good command of the differences between Delta, United, and AA. And he doesn't seem to have a lot of love for AA, unlike you. He mentions two recent flights he's done. One was with an ERJ-175, but actually it was operated by Compass. That's one of the regional partners of AA. A pretty good flight. But then the average flight was on a 319 from Miami to San Vincent. Oh, it's so cool to go to San Vincent, man. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> he liked the soft product comparable to United and Delta, but he found the hard product was subpar for a US domestic first class. Although he mentions cheekily that it's better than what we get in Europe. Yeah, we true. know. True. <clears throat> 100% true. <laughs> but then he goes on to mention a flight that is closer to what you've taken, Alex, because it's an international. He did the flagship business class from LAX Miami on a 777-300. There was zero departure service. It took 90 minutes for the crew to start getting drink orders. The dinner wasn't served until half way through the flight and uh, you know there's this galley when they leave uh, snacks usually that was empty and the attendants were just chatting to each other and nobody cared about serving customers i don't know if it's a one-off because i don't fly aa according to alex and i trust you i think that could have been something that is like we said in all the episodes now that the crew makes or breaks the experience yeah i don't know he, he said though and maybe because he mentions you there that the hard product that he found was fine, had a strange one-inch upslope on the window side armrest. Uh, he couldn't find a comfortable position to sit Which on it. Which plane? 777-300. Yeah, I am getting to grips with the variety of business class seats that they have on their planes, from the Dreamliner to the 777-300, 330s, and then across all the domestic stuff. It does seem to vary quite a lot. I have certainly not experienced... I've only experienced the 777. I am flying business on American later in the month on a Dreamliner. That will be the first time. Nice. So, yeah, it'll be interesting but, to experience. So how did you go to the US? Was it with AA or BA? Though? I went there on BA and back on American. Tell us. Tell us about your experience there. Yeah, so I was... I did Gatwick to New York. It actually worked out well because my sister-in-law and my nieces were flying to San Francisco and... They were flying on Norwegian, and they fly to Gatwick, obviously. So I was able to take them to the airport, drop oh, them nice. off, get them checked in, get them settled, and then fly out myself a few hours later. The problem with Gatwick is that it gets the BA hand-me-downs for airplanes, short haul and long haul. And I think that that's what well, we talked about this in the last episode with that 737 MAX order yeah. through the IAG group, which I will be interested to see if it actually comes to fruition. But anyway... <laughs> The whole point there was that for once Gatwick was going to get some new airplanes and not Heathrow hand-me-downs. The problem is, is that you get these 777-200s that have, they've put the miles in, they haven't been refurbed at all. And I kept watching flight radar, like 
you know, Commandor, Commandor, <laughs> Commandor. And when the plane popped up and I looked on the basource.com, which is a great little reference site, it was the Rockwell Collins IFE, the no power, and I was in economy. I was like, no, I have worked. I really did. I had work to do. And I thought, okay, so I can't, I can't do this. So they had a pretty good deal on upgrading to business. So I, I did upgrade to business. And I have to say again, that the BA first class lounge at Gatwick, which they've redone recently is yeah, it's pretty, good. pretty good. I was there on my way to Faro and it's really good. Yeah. It's got lovely views over the, it's got fantastic views over the, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The food because of the, and I'll come on to the in-flight food in a minute because of the Doe and Co relationship is good. It's fine. It wasn't too busy. It's great because Gatwick, as we've mentioned ad nauseum on this podcast, is overcrowded. I love that airport. I love that airport, but it really is, you know, they need to do something about that. So, yeah, I upgraded to business. It was very recently done, well, for what it is. And <laughs> you know, price wise, you know, you know, you get, you get what you're paying. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, um, of course. Gatwick was heaving because we're coming into the summer months. So going through security, even though it was fast track, took a minute. But that's fine. I, I I don't have a problem with that. The <laughs> the plane, you know, you, you step on board. Here's the weird thing. And I, I'm sure that there's a logical and practical explanation for this. It was old, old, old IFE. You know, this, the looping one. It was just yeah. crap. Crap, 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 crap. <laughs> Tiny screen, dot matrix, you know, if you're like you're playing on a Nintendo DS. But it had Wi-Fi. So oh, they've wow. done that upgrade. And I'm, I'm I, you know... Different companies, I don't even know if they do them both in Cardiff, probably not. So Wi-Fi, but old IFE, no power in economy. So I was in business, I was in an aisle seat, because that's what they had in the middle of the plane. The power worked and everything. The seat was fine. I had my iPad loaded up because I knew I was going to to be on one of these old IFE planes. And I just hung my iPad over the screen, the, the, the <laughs> IFE screen. We're great. Yeah. We're great. The food. On BA is so good now. It's so good. They've really done a good job with that. It's delicious. Oh, man. Yeah. Man. I haven't flown long haul with them in a while, so I cannot... Wow. Man. Wow. And it's it was all really, really good. The portion sizes are, are, are really what they should be. Dessert was a little bit measly, but actually it's all I really wanted. They've done such an outstanding job. It's up there with Emirates. It's Oh, wow. Yeah, it's up there with, with American. I was just, I, if they've not done anything else, and we always bitch about BA, the food has consistently been good in business. Yeah. I can make no comments about economy. I will be able to, in 10 days, be able to tell you what economy food is like. I got the Wi-Fi blazing fast as always, although I, I feel like not everybody has that experience. Enough to stream Netflix. It was fast enough to stream. Netflix. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Because I, I've seen because I also had Wi-Fi on my. It's a three-hour flight to Faro. It was a uh, what three twenty-one, I guess. It was not advertised anywhere. There was no you know leaflet about how to use the Wi-Fi. I just so you know because you know your, your iPhone remembers the networks you've been on. And as soon as I stepped in the plane, it says BA Wi-Fi. I was like, oh, They didn't nice. make an announcement. No announcement, no leaflet. But to your point about Netflix, on the logon screen, if you want, and we choose your plan, 
there's a banner that says watch Netflix. So it must be good enough to watch Netflix. Yeah, they have two packages. They've got a browsing yep. package and a streaming package. Yep. And it's very reasonably priced. It's all fair use. There's no caps. There's no time limits. And I'm impressed with it. I, I think maybe because they don't announce it, that not a lot of people <laughs> are using it. Although on maybe, my flight, yeah. they did announce it. They did say Wi-Fi okay. is available. Interestingly, when I went for just to wander around the cabin halfway through the flight, you see this big old clunky retrofitted switch uh, next to the <laughs> to the to the panel, the, the flight attendant control panel, which just says Wi-Fi on off, and it's like a big old kind of nuclear submarine switch, <laughs> which was weirdly exposed, but but it was kind of neat to see. But there was this service that I think I was I sent you a message about. There was yeah, one. Yeah flight attendant who was outstanding she was emirates cathay level of wow. attentiveness and what's the word what uh, demeanor perhaps and just the way that she carried herself and did everything about it the movement the gestures the smile the tone of voice everything was so like weirdly out of place for ba <laughs> Because BA, BA, you know, when they're good, it's familiar, it's friendly, it's the extra mile, it's bantery. It's not this sort of cultivated, classy makes it yeah. sound not what I'm trying to right. describe. But but really, I, I, it, was, it was excellent. But wow. on the flip side of things, there was one who <laughs> was having a bad day. She did oh, not want to be there. I never saw her smile. She never made eye contact with anybody. She did her job, but it was, it was you know, begrudgingly. And... There was a point where she was pushing a cart, a service cart, not drinks or anything like that. I think she was moving a food cart from the, one of the galleys to the front galley. And there was a passenger who's, because of how you exposed you are in those aisles, yep. his blanket or whatever had was in the aisle. And she got caught on it. And it was like, you know, this was the worst thing he'd ever done in his life. And he got an earful. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, you oh can't do God, that. Come on, yeah. You make a joke about it at least and you carry on. But no. It's unfair as well. I mean, come on. The thing just slipped on the floor. Come yeah, on. And also, it's not who, you know, you help yeah. them. That's kind of why they're there is to help resolve those problems. <laughs> yeah, she did not want to be there. And it oh. didn't take away from how good her colleague was. But it just sort of, ah, yeah, there's there's the counterweight. There's the PA counterweight. <laughs> so, yeah, they, the, it was, uh, we were very fast. Everybody across it, because Greg was like 15 minutes behind me. He flew on Norwegian. And it was a very fast trip across the Atlantic into uh, into, JFK. into JFK. And unfortunately, for I mean, you go into the dedicated BA or One World, non-A, One World terminal at JFK. And they're out through the immigration and customs and all that. It's not a very beautiful terminal, but it's very functional. Onto the air train over to meet Greg. Greg was also early, but had to sit waiting for a gate for 45 minutes. Ah, poor sod. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't envy him. But JFK is such a pain in the ass to get it. You know, even know. we were just going to to Sunnyside, if you know Queens, which is sort of in the not the middle of Queens, it's more towards Long Island City than it is to like the Rockaways. But still, it's not Manhattan, and it still took for flipping ever to get there. Uh, this airport is completely underserved in terms yeah. of transport. You got to I mean, deal with the Van Wick and all of that. So yeah, always. I flew back on on American. I like that terminal a lot. The JFK terminal. I think it's seven, seven or eight. I can't remember. It's nice and airy. There's not a whole lot of amenities on the international side, but the Admirals Club lounge there as every single admiral's club i've ever been to is so 
damn good. So well stocked. The food is incredible for lounge food. If you're One World Gold, you get in irrespective of what class you're traveling in. It's complicated, the entries protocol or priority for the Admirals Clubs. If you're not you know, on American status system, I don't really understand how it works. But One World Emerald, which is what I am and what you are, you get in no problem. Great views, great food. The people are reasonably friendly. Everything is well stocked. Everything works. Everything is clean. Very fast Wi-Fi. TVs in quiet, dedicated viewing rooms. So if you, the England game was on, so I was able to go and watch that for a little bit. Nice. Yeah, it's just good. Just good. I, I like that terminal. It's long if you want to take a walk. I flew premium economy on American back. And again, good. I didn't, did I eat? No, I didn't eat because this is a short <laughs> flight. It was a 7.30 flight. I wanted to sleep. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I like American. And to to the points made earlier about American not being as good as I, I seem to think they are, I will clarify my enthusiasm for American by saying, I think they're intercontinental business class is very, very, very good. I think their premium economy is better than than BA. I think their international economy is not great. It's cramped. I think the food is okay, but BA, the seat pitch, I think is greater. Domestically, I've had very mixed experiences. I see. Very mixed experiences. So I would, again, pick JetBlue over, over them, except for certain flagship routes. The AA Dreamliner you mentioned earlier, is it a domestic or is it international? No, I am doing that from Dublin to Dallas in about two weeks. Oh, it's the, how do you come back to the yeah, US? Yeah, stupid yeah. trip I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll come to that at probably the end of the show. It's one of the, your next trips. Was there, a, <laughs> I know it will sound like a random question. Was there a bar in the American Admirals Club? Yes. Was there a person serving you yes. drinks? Yeah, because the Wayfinder says that the flagship lounge that I mentioned just earlier, he said the big surprise, it was a self-serve bar. And he texted a, a picture of the bar to a friend and said, I don't know whether to be upset that the premium lounge doesn't have a barkeep or to be ecstatic that no one will judge me for the amount of booze I consume. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way that the, the, it's it's very similar to, uh, wait, how do, I can't remember how BA forgotten because i don't really drink anymore but the <laughs> in a, in a, in the aa flagship lounge at jfk i'll try and report back on the dallas one but i don't know if i'm gonna have time they have a huge kind of cooler with white wine and champagne which you do mm-hmm. serve yourself and then they have yep. a cooler um cabinet with beer and sodas and everything like that and then around the corner they have a fully stocked and manned with multiple people bar okay. for everything in between Okay, good. I think wow. I think they're great. I'm, they're they're very very good lounges. Uh, I need to to experience the other these. one. The not the, the kind of the tier below the the flagship lounge. The other is it the Admirals Club or maybe it's Admirals Club. Somebody who knows American will jump in. Which if you're not cool enough to get into the flagship lounge, <laughs> or you're not at an airport which is big enough to have a flagship lounge, they are nothing to write home about other than the kind of traditional Americana snacks. And they have a great relationship with Coke, Coca-Cola. So they have those machines that, that get, you know, there's like 50 yeah. different types yeah. and you can yeah. kind of mix your own concoction. My only, my only experience with Admirals Club has been in Tokyo. 
I don't think I can compare that with anything in the US because it's a pretty cool lounge to be at. Not the most fantastic one, but it's Japan. So yeah. I don't know if it's any reference to anything else they, they're doing around the world. So yeah, well, I need to I need to fly AA within the US again, maybe uh, in the fall. Yeah, I might, no, get, I, a, I, I might I, get a I, shot. I would be very interested to hear what you think. And I think the only postscript to this trip is that on your recommendation, I had to American fly JFK to Heathrow, but I flew out of Gatwick which is where my car was. So I had to get from Heathrow to Gatwick, which is not a simple thing. And no. <laughs> I took the National Express coach. Yeah, the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which it was worked. very, very easy. The only oh. faff was that Terminal 3 is the first stop. So you do Terminal 3, Terminal 4, Terminal 5, Gatwick North, Gatwick South. South, South. yeah. It adds about 40 minutes onto the trip, but it was comfortable. It was easy. It was cheap. I got this thing that, because you book on a specific coach, but I bought this thing for like six more pounds, which meant I could go on any coach 12 hours before or after. Oh, wow. So it didn't really matter. Like I could just rock up and get on any coach that might eventually get to Gatwick. It was good. Oh, it was a good way to do it. Yeah. Thank you for the recommendation. For those who live in the UK, and especially those who keep saying that the London airport should be in a network, well, that's what's missing. If you had high-speed rail between at least Gatwick and Heathrow, that would make sense because you could literally do that in 30 minutes. But taking the car, taking the train, taking everything is, is not made for a high-speed transit. I mean, the coach is the best option of them all, I believe. Yeah, I do too. I think a taxi would cost you 100 quid. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't <laughs> don't, be worth it. No, don't, don't do it. You mentioned, I think, in two episodes ago, Alex, that you were extra screened when you were flying AA from Heathrow. And he said that out of his experience, every time he's flown any US flag carrier out of Europe, he's been screened, but never a European flag carrier from Europe to the US, even with coach here. So I guess it's a very American-centric policy for been, US carriers. I've been quad-est flying BA to the US that's different. That's the border authorities in the U.S. that transmit information to the airline. It's not an airline-specific policy that they do more screening than others. It's Quad S. I think it's Quad S. Is sure. is yeah American. What did it? What, what did it happen? Was it anything? It's no. It's nothing more than a few more questions. Look at your bag. No, they pull your bag out. They run the um the explosive. A residue test on it again. I see. You have to pull everything out. They actually don't really ask me any more questions. Oh, good. Okay. Because I've never been quite as not as said it. Of course, the next time I will have the the dread of having that. <laughs> yeah. Any U.S. official do not listen to layovers, please. I never said that. <laughs> so, <laughs> to go on a little bit more with this feedback, and then we'll move on. He also mentioned something that we hinted at, and you hinted at especially that. The U.S. airline apps are much better yeah. than ours. Uh, you mentioned that for upgrades, but he said that the U.S. cancellation, the UI does it all for you. You get the next flight and that's it. You're not running to the the desk or me nope. calling the gold line. There's no such thing. Because indeed, the first thing I did when my flight was canceled, which was my first time on BA, I went on the app and tried to look for a solution on the app. You know, on, on the homepage, you get your flight. It yes. says boarding at. I disappeared, but nothing replaced it. And I couldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, so now what? Hence, I called the gold line. But yeah, I, I wish that other airlines would learn from the US airlines about these old upgrades and yeah. cancellations and rebooking. And even they, on the American one, it tells you, it gives you a countdown to, to when boarding is. It shows the status of the inbound flight, the plane that will be serving your flight, so you can 
keep an eye on that. It's just that's awesome. Yeah, it's United just, it's really that. well United done. It's that, it's yeah. simple. It's not you know flashy or anything like that. It just gives you the information that you want. In Europe, we don't have any of this. Lufthansa is probably the best one in Europe in terms of UI and ease of use. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Lufthansa, they they sent you this uh, notification like BA does and others, like when your flight is ready for boarding. Only that Lufthansa, and I remember guys, I flew that a lot at the tail end of last year. I think for every flight I took, I must have received five notifications that my flight is ready for boarding. You know, I don't know, maybe the first time, oops, I know it was not actually. So second time, third time, fourth time, I'm like, okay, this is useless. Now, if you tell me every five minutes that my flight is ready for boarding when it's not, anyway, that's maybe not the app itself. It's maybe some person pressing on a wrong button, but it, it was consistently happening. Um, there you go. That's it for Office Wayfinder. And guys, although I try to mention you all, I'm not going to be able to mention this type of, of feedback all the time. But no, thank you but so thank much. You really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, a few pizzas <laughs> <laughs> at uh, J2 Simso on Twitter. Spotted pizza in the YYZ Air Canada Lounge while traveling to Heathrow. And the pizza looked actually good. It doesn't tell us if it's good, but it looked good. Glucode is the most loyal listener of the them all as had pizza from amsterdam to ohr ohr is ohr i have no idea probably meant or it seems to be yeah on polaris and it was a pizza with tomato smoked provolone and red peppers so yeah so now polaris has pizza as well and I, i believe strongly than this podcast alex and paul we are responsible for this pizza renaissance in lounges and flights (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nobody was doing it five years ago. Now everybody does it. And one more from Eric Hoffman at The Husband in Tow, who sent us a pic of a pizza at the Pisa Airport, and not Pizza Airport, haha, <laughs> uh, in the lounge. And man, one day we'll do this airport. This is probably the lounge that I hate the most in this world. It's the worst lounge I've ever been to. But there was no pizza last time. I'm not sure if that's going to change my opinion about the lounge. But next time I'm in pizza, I might actually uh, go there just for a slice. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I, the, when you talked about that lounge, man, there was some pure I hatred. Hate it. No, it's, it's, it's dirty and nah, another day. Let's not get angry today about lounge. <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter, Jonathan Yorkovitz at Jono Yorko. I think you might have read it, Alex, sent us this uh, a few weeks ago, this tweet informing us about, you know, you remember your flight with that Embraer that had cheap paint. Oh, yeah. Uh, he sent us this fascinating article explaining why these planes are back into service. And there's a lot of ERJs uh, where the avionics have been completely stripped out. Basically, only the instrumentation is left. And what they do they get a buyer because there's a shortage of aircraft especially with the the, the max uh, the max being grounded they fast track everything they put back stuff in it they certify it and they send it but they don't put a lot of effort in the how it looks let's put no, it but it's clearly. it's absolutely fascinating to read it the name of the article if you want to google it up is why so many american eagle jets are parked in mathis field it's on sanangeloolive.com i think it might uh, be san angelo live thank you yeah you're absolutely right actually <laughs> i was like what i was seeing the term olive so i was trying to make out backwards what the rest would actually mean and then i saw angel as an angel olive and said why is san okay there you go <laughs> uh, 
the interesting bit in this article is that the Ember ERG140 has a price tag of 18 million, but you can find ERGs 14045 for under five million dollars. And th those planes must have been yeah. made their money time and time and time again because the flight that I did from New York to Toronto and back was not cheap. And that was it. What did I say? It was 17 and a half years old. That plane has earned its keep. Yeah. At that I wish price. that one day, because you said that, I would hope that one day one of these databases about flights would actually tell us the number of cycles. Just having a database saying, okay, this has been there, 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 there. Yeah. And have like, I, uh, I'm sure that somebody listening knows where we can find that information. It's there. It's out there because you, you look at an app website like flightstats.com. And if you buy the gold premium, whatever subscription, you can look up routes back 15 years some flights are missing some information but i was able because i did it for my own purposes i was able to find registration of flights i've taken 10 years ago on this that's pretty amazing yeah but they don't have on everything uh but for the us they have at least they have a lot of from the us sometimes worldwide is of course more tricky since we're talking about old aircraft on September 4th, American Airlines will retire its last MD-80. That's the end of an era. I didn't even know they were flying them still because I hadn't seen one MD-80 on the ground for so long. They even provide, if you go on uh, AA.com, they provide you with the last 16 flights that will happen on September 4th and a bit of the third. The last ever will be Dallas to Chicago. And of course, it will be called a flight 80. I guess that they put that number on purpose. Well, you know, what's funny is... Well, it's not funny at all, but registration 501 Alpha Alpha, which is the last MD-82 in service with American, just added an, uh, an emergency landing no. yesterday. Wait, oh man. Yeah, man. <laughs> didn't pressurize. It's 30, 30 years old. Wow, wow, man. Yeah. Everything was fine, but... Uh, so they're retiring them. It's a bit... I mean, like I said, I didn't know they were still flying them. For me, my memories of the MD-80 is Swiss Air. So not even Swiss. Swiss Air back in the 80s. Yeah, Iberia and 90s. Had a big day as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they will be sent to Roswell after uh, ROW. So if you want to try to fly... Last time an MD-80 from AA, go on AA.com. You have all the details for the last flight. September 4th is the last flight. The last flights, there is actually many, but the last ever will be that DFW to ORD. Space Jet. <laughs> Every time I read that name, I'm almost laughing out loud. Space Jet. Um, <laughs> a correction. I mean, not exactly a correction, but you remember we said that they bought CRJ and we were a little bit surprised of the low price that they got for the CRJ and reading a little bit more into it, actually, they don't care at all about the manufacturing. What they want is maintenance, repair and overhaul, so MRO, for the space jet. So actually, what they're buying is not the aircraft, though they will have the rights on it. I'm guessing they will cancel it altogether. They're keeping the repair, the maintenance sites, the customer support site. This is what they actually bought. Mitsubishi. They don't care about the CRJ. That's interesting. I didn't know. It's kind of disappointing to hear, but yeah. I, uh, I understand. They have to make their own plane profitable, so maybe they don't want to buy something else to add to their portfolio or something. They're still doing their test flights. They're quite advanced. There's strong rumors that the small version of the space jet will be in the U.S. 
early next year. I hope that happens. Good. It does feel like they've been testing it for years now. And since we're talking about the AMD AT, we're talking about the past. Another news that we have to acknowledge is the passing of the father of Airbus, Roger yes. Bete. He was there from the start of Airbus. Uh, of course, he oversaw the A300 and 310, but his biggest thing was the 320, obviously, which has proved to be a smashing success, one of the most successful planes ever built. I took some, some quotes here that are very uh, prescient always. He said, uh, we just had to do it. Perhaps we were too bold. We had no choice. Either we were going to be first with new technologies or we could not expect to be in the market at all. This is the decision to you know, to fly by wire with advanced cockpit, side sticks, all these things that felt like anathema when they, they went. They were a little bit ahead, but that proved to be uh, a fantastic decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was absolutely a visionary. Airbus named their 350 final assembly line after him. A few years ago, it's called the Roger Bete assembly line. So they recognize is is important. He also he was also the guy I think that decided on the actual width of the fuselage, which now proves to be also something great for us as the passenger experience. It's slightly larger than the seven three seven, so slightly better width. Yep. But also it was especially good for the cargo. They were able to create a standard for cargo to follow the standard for cargo. It was yeah visionary. Yeah. Yeah. Without him. You know, I know that some of our listeners probably, you know, have teams and prefer Boeing or whatever. But in the end, if we didn't have Airbus, he would have been almost in a monopoly with Boeing. So it's good to have competition. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And he was involved in one way or another almost until the day he died, which is pretty amazing. I think he was born in the 20s. Yeah, what a career. What a man. The man with a white tie, that was his nickname. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier the this IAG order, the surprise IAG order of 200 aircraft that happened at the Paris Air Show. <laughs> Since we're talking about Airbus, Airbus is demanding, and that's the word they use, demanding a chance to bid for that order. I mean... <laughs> I... I... <laughs> Is that how it works in business? You know, I would I, like to demand stuff. Me too. Actually. I demand. Yeah. Perhaps something got lost in translation, but it's a very aggressive stance, isn't it? To say we demand. And again, we we said this before. I said it earlier in the episode as well. I'm very sure this is posturing by IAG to try and get a deal from Airbus or to both to yeah. do what Emirates did with the Dreamliner order <laughs> that never happened as just leverage and we'll renegotiate to triple seven X. Um, and then maybe this will turn into, you know, Dreamliner orders or something like that. I don't know. But it was sort of eyebrow-raisingly aggressive language from Airbus. Yeah. <laughs> because they probably were stumped that they had not even been invited to the the bidding yeah. process in the, in the first place. And it was totally a surprise announcement. I mean, great PR for Boeing because it happened in the Paris air shows on Airbus turf. I'm sure like you, at the end, we might see a mix. Though I'm still... I mean, we're both, because we're both in agreement here, we're both still sure that even if they go further with these 200 737s, the price tag must be really must good. must be, yeah. Given all of the yeah. brand damage to the 737 and Boeing to an extent, yeah, I think uh, they probably got a sweet deal. American Airlines has uh, promised that it will fly its senior executives on the 737 MAX when it comes back in line it's good pr it is good pr uh it would be weird if they didn't i think <laughs> now will they fly economy or will they fly first that's uh, the i did like was it doug parker who did that <laughs> yeah and i think like, oh god this sucks 
<laughs> I think Munoz refused to. Wu was That's dead, it. Refused well, to, one of them yeah. did. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they found a new bug in the, the software of the 737, basically resulting in Southwest pushing the reintroduction date by October now. Yes, and some, wow. I think, was it Belgium that have said that none of them can fly in its airspace until next year? Oh, wow. What? Yeah, I, 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 Belgium or, yeah, I think it was Belgium. You know, we mentioned, in the, was it in the last episode that, you know, the regulation were both pan-European and also country-based in Europe, which mm -hmm. leads to some, because I had read another piece of news that the FAA is holding discussions with the counterpart in Europe, in Canada, and in Brazil, and they created a consensus that they want to act together to restore faith, that's the term they used in the 737, leading me to suspect that they want to reintroduce it, at least in these five spaces, at the same time. But then you say Belgium say no, so I, wow, I had no idea. I don't know how that's all going to work. No, me, not, me too. I have no, absolutely no idea. Have you seen the picture of that uh, 737 Max? I think it's a TUI livery that is parked in the staff car park. Yeah. Yeah. Dear God. <laughs> I, I'm very excited to see, well, excited, is that the right word? It's fascinated when I go to Seattle next month to see all of this, because we will be able to see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. The picture is taken, I guess, from a drone or something. It's amazing. And it's, wow, they have no more room. I don't know where they're going to put them at some point. Because they keep building them at a pretty rapid pace. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Holy cow. Uh, the CEO, Willenberg, has announced that Boeing will support the families impacted by the recent accidents with a hundred million investment. He calls that an initial outreach. I guess, you know, they have to go in this uh, almost uh, redeeming tour. Yeah. Starting with the families, obviously, the most affected. Wow. I'm very interested I mean, to hear what the final price tag on this is. Yeah. Beyond oh, the human God. life, of course. Yeah, and that's not the only problem they're having, because you remember we talked about these stories in Charleston with the Dreamliner. The Department of Justice in the U.S. has submitted a subpoena to Boeing to actually look up into all these safety issues in the plant. And we also learned, thank you, Mathieu guillaume de Luc, for that news, that Boeing falsified records for a Dreamliner sold to Air Canada, which eventually developed a fuel leak. And you know, like, like we said many times now, a reset is, yeah, is not... There's it would definitely be not, something I mean, rotten there. Yeah. So back to uh, more happy news. I don't know if it's happy or not. United is dropping the term continental of its name. Is, do they really use it though? I mean... No, it was in the, I think it was a corporate name, United Continental. Yeah. And that's I mean, gone. If it's not customer facing or public in any way, who cares? Yeah. But it's symbolic of the final end of Continental, yeah. which actually is not because the company, it's actually Continental who bought United yeah. and not the other way around, which yeah. is fascinating, actually, that they decided to continue with United. But yeah, so, so long, Continental. I'm not sure, though, they would have relinquished the rights of the brand name, not letting anyone else. No, I'm it. sure they won't. <laughs> uh, we mentioned the 321 XLR. JetBlue has also bought XLRs. It's the plane that we could see from New York to London, if that ever yeah, happens. That yeah. seems like it's the one that they're going to do in 20 years, whenever they decide to do it. <laughs> On Instagram, four openers. So number four openers. Ask us an interesting question. He loves the podcast. Thank you so much. He would like to hear us discuss the pros and cons of the very cool XLRs flying medium to long haul. He's sorry to play poly producer on YouTube, but <laughs> on <laughs> us too. But uh, what do you think about flying single ale, narrow body for long haul? I mean, 
transatlantic, I think it's going to happen. It is already happening. And I think that that's fine. I mean, they do it in the U.S. anyway for those those coast to coast flights that are yeah. just exactly the same, you know, flight time, if not longer in some instances, if you've got some cruel winds. But I think that there's a point where it would be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not like you're putting 400 people on a single aisle <laughs> plane. It's still the same amount of people. It's just longer. And if they've if they've made sensible decisions with the number of restrooms, I think I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think so too. And like you said, the other transcons, there's I, was it Qatar that was flying from somewhere in Europe to Doha sometimes with a three twenty. You already have like three twenties are going five six hours. The three twenty one flies from London to Beirut. So yeah, well, it's already happening. It's just expanding and. Let's remember that the 707 was itself a single ale. I mean, we're yeah. talking a long time ago, that was Pan Am, right? So it's not something totally new either. Arguably the 757, but is that a narrow body? It's a single ale, but it's almost not a narrow body at that point. But yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I'm like you. I think be okay. At the end of the day, it will all depend on the product inside. Well, exactly, not, exactly. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I've done those, those Trancons in the US in both premium and economy, and you know, it's boring, but it's boring on a wide body too. Yes, you have a little bit more room to walk around, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the only thing that bugs me about that is you get stuck when they're doing the meal or the drink service and yeah. there's no way yeah. to get around it. But, uh, yeah. you know, well, and it I, feels it like sometimes that the boarding and deplaning are long like forever. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't know true. if it's a perception. But then again, it's, 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 that's the, that's a, the amount of people, whether you're doing 90 minute flight or seven hours. Yeah. You're still going to have that problem. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. When I was flying uh, to Faro with BA, it was 321 and I was in what, 12, whatever the emergency exit was. And this is taking forever. Mm, but I yeah, mean, it's just the yeah. name of the game. But that happens if you're like on the upper deck of a 380 and you are at the very back and you have to walk all the way in the front. Well, you have to wait until like, what, 200 passengers go out. So it's the same. Have you seen the picture of the new food by Delta, economy food? Yeah, I, I have. I think it's, it's caught a lot of people off guard with how it, how good it looks and just the, the other tweaks to the service, like welcome drinks for economy. Which yeah, wow. It's yeah. unheard of, really. I'm doing Delta Economy International in two weeks on an A350. So I will get to experience this. It's never something that the US airlines were pushing, you know, the quality of the food in the back. And actually, one of our listeners, uh, Noha F. Shearer, told us this is the reason why the US has so many Delta fanboys. Because, yeah, I mean, there's, like you said, there's a food, welcome drinks, uh, but there's also going to be greetings. They, they say the pursuers will make pre-flight introductions, personal greetings at the boarding door, hoping to build better bond between the passenger and the flight crew, adding a, another layer of hospitality. I mean, at least they're trying it. That's something yeah. that we're more used to when you fly Asian airlines or Middle Eastern airlines, but that they are doing that is pretty cool. And for economy, we're not talking here a premium no, cabin. Exactly. Right? So, 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 Let's see how yeah, it works. You'll report back. Uh, talking about hospitality to our discussion, we had like three episodes in a row, Alex, whether or not... We are greeted because we're gold in BA. So it didn't happen to you. Nope. But you said you were in business, which we both seems to thought. I was in an economy going to Faro. 
didn't happen either. Uh, and again, we're not complaining about it, but it seems that they've entirely stopped, basically. I think it does seem like they've stopped. And I wonder yeah. if they're not using the iPads anymore. Aha, uh-huh, maybe. Because I always see them with the iPads. I, I'm flying economy to California in 10 days. I will report back. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't require it. It's just that it's striking before and after. Or maybe, and I think Ed Parson is, uh, what's it, you know, the, the upper level gold GGL, guest list, yeah, that's GGL, it. whatever. Maybe they restrict that for people with that status, which you can acquire only if you fly really a lot and acquire pure points or whatever. Ed, are you still greeted when you are in a flight? Yes, I not. would love to know that. So my flights, I'm not going to report anything because it was very run-of-the-mill, good flights. I was flying from Gatwick to Faro and then flying back to Heathrow, actually, because the flights just work better time-wise like this. Both in emergency exits, both very good flight. I had some Marks and Spencer food on board. It was actually pretty good. It was good, so, generally, yeah, especially this time of year. Nothing to report out of the ordinary. The crew was good. I was happy to have chosen BA to go there because there's tons of other options I could have chosen, but uh, I was happy. The price was also competitive, so it was really, really nice. So nothing else to report. What happened also the past week and a half since we last recorded, there was the Pride as well, and Virgin did uh, a special flight, Virgin Atlantic. It was a one-off from Heathrow to JFK. They invited a lot of the LGTBQ plus guests as passengers, but also the crew was entirely... The pilots and the crew were entirely LGBTQ plus as well to try to show the diversity of the, the workforce. And it proved to be super successful. There's been some pictures online with celebrations and dances and special cocktails. And it was absolutely super fun. The funny story here is that there was one family of four, your typical British family that just wanted to take a holiday that had booked this flight. And then the airline called them and says, oh, do you guys know this is a special pride flight? Do you want to change for another one? Because it's going to be a, a a very you know different type of experiences and no no it's okay we need to go there anywhere on vacation and they had the best time oh, ever they filmed the kids were dancing in the flight along with some drag queens and it was absolutely fantastic that must have been quite a flight to remember yeah I yeah wish. <laughs> that was, virgin have always been good at that but they seem to have ramped it up across the group in the last couple of years i think it, it, they realized this is an, an important topic for them to make their stance known on. They've always been good at this, and I'm yeah. anyway, I'm proud of them for doing that. And Branson has uh, announced that the, this flight will return next year. So if you want to get on this, have your ears and keyboards open, because that will sell out super fast, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Talking about celebration, I haven't flown to Brussels airport in a while, have you? I don't know if I've ever been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great airport. I think we covered it like three, four years ago. If you fly there, now when you land, you get a free Stella uh, at the airport. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Which, obviously, I hope that you don't drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go a little bit on still the passenger experience and the technology of it. Uh, another feedback. We're doing a lot of feedback in this episode to catch up with a lot of feedback with that you guys have kindly sent us. Delus Anton on Twitter, also a long-term listener, asks us our opinion between USB-A versus USB-C on new planes. The reason he's asking is because the MRJ, so the space jet, will apparently come with USB-C. It depends on how much juice they're putting through them. Because if it's enough to charge my laptop, then hooray. But honestly, just USB-A, I think, is probably more versatile at this point. Frankly, I just like a power outlet, because then I yeah. can make the decision myself. 
I also want a power outlet because I use, you know, the massive Apple 85 brick, whatever yeah. the brick, because this fast charges everything from my iPad to my iPhone to my computer. So I know it's a bit of a pain to carry it around, but at least I have that. And I have also, if you are more space conscious, it's a brand, a British brand called Mu, M-U, and they do chargers and they have a very, very thin charger, USB-C or USB-A, and it's 45W, what's W, 45 voltage, what? I guess. What? Thank you. Alex is a better electrician than I am as well, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> so yeah, I've shifted to everything USB-C for a year. So yeah, I'd rather have USB-C because I have to have like freaking adapters to everything I, where I go. And it's because I'm an Apple guy and the new iPad has USB-C and the new MacBook has USB-C. Only the iPhone doesn't. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm like you, Alex. I'd rather just have power. It makes so and, much life so much yeah. easier. I can... I can power everything i need to does aa require you to remove because you flew a recently powering stuff while on landing and i don't think up? so i always seem to be asleep but um ba does it no yes uh, they collect your headphones if you're in business if you use their headphones they collect them unnecessarily early <laughs> uh, i hate that but because ba keeps requesting that we remove everything from the plugs on... I understand that. It's tripping hazard and yeah, all me too. that. Yeah, but me too. Uh, no, I don't recall an announcement. Oh, there you go. BA has announced that it will introduce RFID luggage tracking. Uh, you'll be able to buy a little tag, basically, that will go for 60 pounds, I think. That's what, $75 or something? Yeah. Reusable, obviously. They say that each tag is rated for over 3,000 screen changes. So divide that by two and you have a number of return flights you can do with it. And you don't need to recharge it ever. The only caveat is for the moment, it can only be used for direct flights. We don't check a lot of luggage, but would you buy something like that? Nope. <laughs> Apparently, you're able to sync with your luggage, Alex. You can be in love with your luggage and know where your luggage is. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, no. No, I'm the same. I couldn't be bothered. And I really rarely check in. But even if I were to check in, I mean, why? I don't know. I'm just going to wait in the luggage belt. Yeah. You know. I don't. I... I'd rather learn that my luggage has been delayed or lost when I arrive at the luggage belt than being anxious for eight hours in the flight knowing that my baggage is still in London when I'm already over yep. the Atlantic. Exactly. You know, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> don't want to know. <laughs> Just bring me my freaking luggage. But the less anxiety I have about it, the better it is. Boom, boom, boom. Three words you shouldn't say in an airport, but boom, boom, boom is the new video for the XB1. So is it an MTV commercial or is it an actual product? I look at the face of Alex right now, it's priceless again. The, the, yeah, the video was nonsense. It didn't tell us anything. It was massively overproduced. And I said this to you when you sent it to me, that if I was them, I would be absolutely silent until I had something concrete to show. I would it's be a, completely in stealth mode. It's a supersonic plane or engine. I think it's a plane, but they're yeah. doing first a small one. I don't know if you can even sit in it. I, I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, the video is quite striking and a lot of people were super excited. But you know what? We get every three months, and this is not here about boom, but every three months we get a rendering of some freaking awesome aircraft that looks like a space jet, haha, that could go from London to Tokyo in two and a half hours. The only thing, these are only renderings. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and maybe <sighs> they did this because they it was Paris Airshow time. 
and they wanted to Probably. get a little bit of hype. And there are people who are, there's like four or five companies that are developing these, but no one really in their space, which is going to be passenger, not private jet. Yeah. I, I think you just, I know. just keep your mouth shut and build, <laughs> you know, that's and any startup, not just, not just, uh, yeah, not Aviation. just them. But by the way, we'd be your biggest supporters because we want to see supersonic cars. It's, it's not something against Boom. It's just that this whole hyping before there's anything, and even if they release something, it will be a prototype first, which will be very exciting, and I'll be excited to see it. Yep. It's not me and you in a plane going in New York in two and a half hours. That's uh, Boeing is also working on one. They also released a picture a few days ago. NASA is actually also working on one. They also released a picture a few days ago. And you're like, no shit, it's cool. But uh, I want more than awareness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want a hype video. I want to see the plane flying. Talking about flying, Melbourne, our friends from down under. Melbourne will be the first city outside of the US to host trials for Uber Air, which is ride sharing in the air. I guess these are VTOL, rooftop from rooftop. They say they're going to start the test flights next year and commercial operations in 2023. I'm not holding my Me breath. Neither. I don't know if you're uber excited, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe not for Melbourne, but in cities that are gridlocks over gridlocks over gridlocks, maybe yeah, Mexico City, York, Mexico Jakarta. City. I would love to have an alternative to taking an Uber or oh, yeah. a, a cab, that's for sure. Talking about Melbourne, uh, Daniel Tan on Instagram. Also, guys, you all now long-time listeners. I need to stop saying long-time listener because you, all of you guys have been sticking with us since the start. We love you. He says that Melbourne is finally going to do its third runway. Of course, cheekily, because we don't yet know if here at Ether will get one. The difference is that when they built the airport, they already had pre-mapped the fact that they would have four runways. The strange thing is that they were supposed to go for uh, east-west. I don't think you've been to Melbourne, Alex. Nope. But for guys you've been, clearly there's room for an east-west runway. And then they said, oh, but we actually realized that the winds are not great on this, so we're going to build a north-south one. And I'm like, so you had this plan for 40 years, but you didn't realize about the winds until now. Dude. That <laughs> Daniel agrees. Uh, Daniel Tan actually agrees. Anyway, but still good to have another runway there. Shows even more to the point that Heathrow needs one. And since we're in Australia, Qantas has announced its retirement plans for the 747. I mentioned that they were about to retire in the last episode. The cool thing for AV Geeks is that the last flights will only be domestic. Oh, they will yeah. do stuff like Melbourne to Sydney, Adelaide to Sydney, Melbourne to Brisbane, I think. That's pretty cool. I'm glad that they're doing that. Talking about the aircrafts that are being retired, Air France can be bothered to retrofit the 380. Uh, they are very old products. Again, I used to fly this business class product uh, like 12 years ago, so it's clearly not competitive anymore. But since they cannot be bothered, actually, they might actually retire all the 380s before they arrive at the end. Oh. Yeah, well. I'm so sad about the, the 380s going. And we, we took comfort in, oh, it's going to be a decade before they start disappearing. But it doesn't seem to be mm. the case because they are getting to the point where some of them need a retrofit and it will be cheaper to get rid of them than to retrofit them. And that's just sad. Yeah. But, but Singapore seems to be committed. They've just retrofitted a 380, meaning they will go until the end with a 380. The interesting bit, we always joke about their super massive couch lounge seat, right? In business yes. class. 
which they had made an iteration of. So I thought this would be the last seat we'd ever seen on a 380 by Singapore. No, they're going with the seat I described in a Dreamliner. So they're streamlining the entire fleet with that narrower, staggered seat. So, so long for these mega couch seats. But They were a bit so. silly. <laughs> I had to sleep sideways. I hated that thing. It's okay. The new one, the one, sorry, the one that they iterated upon. So not the original couch seat, but the one that came a little bit after was a bit better. But again, it was very strange to find a natural position in them on sleep mode. (laughs) Alexis is shaking his head in, nah, the UX in that seat doesn't work for me. Oh, great. (laughs) Have you seen the amazing pictures near Bahrain? where they took a 747 on the sea with barges and sunk they it. drowned it, they sunk it to create an, I guess, an a diving reef. park. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Di- I guess cool. this plane was built in 1981. So guys, you have to go to Bahrain, it's the north of Bahrain, and you'd be able to actually dive there. I, I guess at the beginning, there's not going to be a lot of stuff on it, but over time, it might be a very cool... Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think it's such a good idea. I think it's such a good idea. And I think they're really good about these with, they've done it with rail cars. They've done it with all kinds of materials. And it's not just a, you know, it's not just for, for tourists. It's actually, it's artificial reefs, which replace, sadly, natural yeah. reefs, which are, which are dying. But yeah, no, it's really cool. Yeah, and obviously they removed all the toxic elements and everything that was not environmentally friendly before sinking it. Actually, it was not the first time. I think there was a 7 to 7 off Miami, I think. Is there? I didn't know that. I'd love to do one of those. I think uh, there's also an A300 off Turkey as well, somewhere. I want to go and do that. I want to go and dive on around those. That would be so, yeah, so cool. I'm not a diver, but that would actually pinch me towards becoming one to see those, actually. I think the one in Bahrain, it's going to open this fall, I think. So anyone in Bahrain, if you go but, there, yeah, send, us us. send us a picture. And tell us if there's still remaining pizza in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since still our priorities are. <laughs> Still on the 747, there was this uh, guy, a collector from Sunderland, that has listed a 747-100 cockpit on eBay for the price of £15,000. Man, this is an actual cockpit. It used to belong to uh, United Airlines, and it was one of the original eight. And the guy, man, the guy has it in his backyard. Of course he And now he's selling it. He says it can be kept for history, obviously, but used for a summer house, an office, a cafe. My thinking, Alex, is that we should buy it and we should install the new Microsoft Fly Simulator. <laughs> oh, I know. Doesn't that look good? <laughs> oh, my God. The teaser, man. Is it still, uh, is that eBay auction still going? I don't know because I didn't, sadly, in my notes, I didn't put the link Um N4712U, I think that must be the registration. So maybe you can find it. Or you just find 747 cockpit on eBay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, putting the Microsoft Fire Simulator will look freaking amazing. That would be the best option for it. Or, or because we're on the 4th of July, we could do a barbecue with it. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Eric Hoffman, the husband in tow, had reminded me that there had been people at Delta three years ago, we built 
an actual working barbecue within a Pratt & Whitney PW2000 engine. So I, I don't think I have enough room in my garden to put that, but I would love to have that for the 4th of July. We made at Virgin America, long before we ever launched, we made a barbecue that looked like a jet engine. No we way. Open up the side of it. Yeah, it was cool. We took it all over the place. <laughs> Man, the stories. Almost at the end of the show, since I was in Singapore, yeah, because everybody talked about it in the past three days, it seems that Singapore and Malaysian are kind of getting closer. They call it a wide-ranging cooperation. And the reason I'm surprised is that I think a month ago, the prime minister of Malaysia said that he wanted to close the airline. Yeah. To shut it down completely. There's been a few weird twists and turns in this story with... They want to shut it down, and then somebody, I think the ex-chairman of AirAsia wanted to put together a consortium to buy it. It's it's all kind of hanging in the balance at the moment for this airline. And if you're interested, it's a fascinating read. It's a sad read as well, called What Really Happened to Malaysia's Missing Airplane. It's on The Atlantic. It was released a few days ago, I guess. The MH370 we're talking about. It's a staggering read. It's very well researched, investigated, and documented. And yeah, it clearly looks like that the most plausible explanation of them all is that the pilot basically killed everyone. But it's read it, make your own mind, because obviously we'll never know unless we actually find that plane one day. But it's an incredible read. It's a sad read, but it's a must read. Yeah, it's, it's brilliantly written. Since we're talking about agreements, Singapore and Malaysian, you were very happy. The US and the UAE seem to have signed a reaffirmation of the open sky saying, we're good, and even fifth room routes are good. Yeah, finally. And hopefully everybody (laughs) shuts up about this. Guys, we started talking about this in episode 001, like five years ago. If that could be the last time we hear about it, we'd be very happy. Because... I mean, we love especially Fifth Freeman routes. So please, Emirates, please, Etihad, go ahead and do Fifth Freeman routes from yes. Europe, especially. We need more. To, I know to that, that. Uh, Berlin, which airport, one of the ones that's actually open, uh, <laughs> is courting Emirates big time, saying we want service, not just to and from Dubai, but beyond. So I think this goes hand in hand with that. More Fifth Freedom would be wonderful. The Berlin story has been going on for a few years. I remember hearing them courting Emirates like two and a half years ago, mm. they really wanted, yep. and they could, yeah, they really wanted, and I, that would be a great point to start from Europe to the U.S. Oh, flying from fantastic. Berlin. It would be easier than Milan for us, at least. Um, the story that everybody talked about in the past a few days, you cannot have missed it, so we cannot not mention it. This woman that uh, fell asleep in an Air Canada flight from Quebec to Toronto, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> She woke up, seatbelt was still fastened. The only problem is that she was left alone in the hangar, all lights out, all power out. They had forgotten her in the aircraft. How does that happen? I think, yeah, it's pretty strange at first, but I also think that if you're wearing, this is going to sound strange, but if you're wearing clothes that's similar to the seat, kind of slumped (laughs) over, but would the plane not have been tidied or cleaned or? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, I, I think there's perhaps one or two re- reasonably crucial details here that, uh, that, that we're missing. missing. Yeah. But still, she woke up in the maintenance side, basically, in a dark plane. Uh, so imagine it's night, it's dark, it's not heated. She was, she was freezing cold. I think that's the cold actually woke her up. And she was trying to make a phone call, but the poor saw she had 1% battery or something. So the call just not go through. And then 
she couldn't power up her devices, obviously, because there was no power in the aircraft. So then she went to the front door, managed to open it, only to obviously find that it's super high. <laughs> you yeah. cannot just step out of the plane. And she waited and waited and waited. At some point, there was, a, I think, a maintenance guy that passed by, and she had managed to find a torch in the cockpit, and Which she is, was making the lights. <laughs> that she, and also, I mean, that she was able to get into the cockpit? I suppose it Maybe it's be not closed, locked. I guess uh, not. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a strange story. <laughs> it's a very strange story, but I mean, wow. You know what? I actually would welcome that. Not that I would want to be locked in a plane, but it would be very interesting to see. It's like almost going like into the bowels of the airport, seeing other stuff and yeah. having an unrestricted access to the airport. I would have opened actually the door on the wing, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's an easier way to drop than Yeah, from it's not like the, they're, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. I One would say, hope. If she, you know, I, I hope that she doesn't get the bill for the opening of the door. <laughs> well, you never know. In Was there not like age. a guy last week, Alex, in Manchester Airport who mistakenly opened yep. the... Uh, yeah, on the PIA. Was it Man? Yeah, it was Manchester. Yeah. You're right, or Birmingham. And he, and he, opened, and he opened the door. He thought he was a toilet. Yep. My God. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, purely innocent. Yeah. So to finish up with a feel-good story before we go to the airport that we both visited, it's a small uh, refuge for cats that I support. They're in Cyprus called Tala Monastery Cats, and they, you know, they have like I don't know a thousand cats because wow. there's so many cats on, on Cyprus, and my three cats actually are from Cyprus, not from that refuge. But the point is, BA for the hundred years gave them a donation, which is very kind from BA. BA has obviously a very strong relationship with Cyprus. A lot of Brits go there to retire. Lots of flights and. The cool thing is that they named five kittens Nigus, Landor, BO, that's for BOAC, Chatham, and BEA. So you have five cats named after the... BEA, <laughs> slightly unfortunate name for a cat. You could have done Bai, which is Bai means whatever, Bai. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Bai. <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, that was very nice from BA. So, Farum, you are more knowledgeable than I am about Farum Airport. So, what do you well, think you've about? Well, you've been you've been more recently. I I think it's a great little airport. I think it's a great little airport. It's got a wonderful approach because it's right on the water there. You kind of go out over the ocean and then run parallel to the coast for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the winds, and then come down and and land. Did you have a bus or did you have a gate? A gate. Yeah, I think we had a gate last time too. But we've been there like four times, and. I think I mentioned to you before we started recording that it always seemed to be under construction because <laughs> it's very popular because it serves the Algarve, yeah. uh, which is a hugely popular destination for most Europeans. For those who don't know, that's the southern so, tip yeah. of... Basically, you're very close at that point to Sevilla. You, you're very close to Spain yeah. if you continue driving on the coast. Of course, wonderful weather. Yeah, it's becoming a very... I mean, it's always been very popular, but they, they keep increasing the single size of the airport to accommodate all the people coming. I saw like so many other low costs. Of course, you do the usual, your EasyJets and Ryanairs, but also some of the others that we, we see in Europe, they're all coming there. And it was... I was going, you know, right at the start for some European countries of their uh, official holidays. So people, people, but it's it's okay. It's managed well. I, I never felt that it was overcrowded. No, it's nice and airy. And because that part of Europe and Portugal in particular is very attractive to golfers and to cyclists, yeah. they in the baggage claim area, they have all of these free to use stands to reassemble your bike. So you can just go. Uh, yeah. Which is so, I, I don't, th maybe one or two airports anywhere else in the world I've seen that, but the racks where you can put your tires back on and get everything tweaked and there's free tools to use. And then 
on the when you're through customs, there's all these bike rental shops and golf club rental shops. They know their audience, and I just think that that's that's really cool. That's a great way of doing it. You're not kind of cluttering up or making a mess. They've got dedicated areas to people that are coming for a very specific purpose. It's very well run. the The only thing that for me was a bit strange is probably because they had to adapt over time is the layout how they separated Schengen and non-Schengen yeah. flights. It's very weird that like, they have three floors. You arrive on the second floor, and I guess when they know it's non-Schengen flight, us coming from the UK and Portugal is in, within Schengen, then you have to go up a floor, go to the third floor, go down again where the passport control is. I mean, it's just a strange layout. The only downside to it is when you take a flight that is non-Schengen on that third floor. So basically waiting where the people are exiting, there's almost no seating, which for me, I don't care. But I could see that uh, older people were not really happy about the situation. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a little a, bit. But, but I mean, I think, it, yeah, it was definitely an afterthought. Clearly, they had to figure out a way to separate Schengen to non-Schengen in a way that was not disruptive. And actually, the, the gate... You're, let's say you are on gate 317, that's the third floor 17. And if you're on gate 217, I think that's the Schengen 17. And so they just they didn't add more gates. It just actually created a layered proposition. Yeah. It works. It, it works. The, re the rest of the airport works. It's pretty nice. Now, outside it's finished, so it looks really modern and everything. I liked it. People say it's a bit expensive, but isn't that the case now of all the airports that have been taken over by, by these massive, you know, duty-free companies yeah. like Vinci and all the others? You go to the same freaking duty-free shop than every other airport. They're all the same. And they all have the same M&Ms and they all have the same cookies and they all have the same alcohol and it's okay. Yeah. It becomes nondescript after a while. Yeah, I, I zip through them and I don't even look at them. No, exactly. Uh, exactly. It's a bit frustrating. But I mean, for a smaller party as well, like maybe less than 10 million people a year. Yeah, so, so it's, about it's, six, it's, six and a half million. Yeah, so I mean, it's totally, it's totally good. For highly that, seasonal. Yeah. However, they still have like some local shops as well within at least the area I went through. It yeah. was like you could yeah, buy the good little cafe restaurants and there's, yeah, you're right. There's a, quite a few uh, good Portuguese yeah. uh, delicatessens and uh, yes, wine shops absolutely. as well yes, for, their, for your port. Yeah, I like it. I love that part of Portugal. Oh God, now I want to go back there. <laughs> they do great wine as well, I discovered, because I was uh, uh, I was in two different resorts. Uh, I cut my holidays in two, not to be bored of one so and to have different food and whatever. And the first one were doing their own wine, and uh, I'm mostly a white wine drinker. I used to be a red wine drinker, but I don't anymore. I find it too heavy. And the white wine was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's a fantastic area to, to be in. It's very cute. It's still... It's not over-touristed. Funnily enough, my two, and I promise you guys, I didn't choose these two resorts out of that, but both of my resorts were on one of the final approaches of the <laughs> airport, <laughs> just before they go to the sea. What a coincidence. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're above me. So I was on Fly Radar 24, I said, what is that? This is Ryanair. Yeah, of course it's Ryanair. This is Ryanair, because it's a 737, so obviously you know it's Ryanair, right? Right, so, right. <laughs> it was a nice experience. I would recommend that airport. We could do a layover, but of course, don't do a layover. Just go to the just beach. The beach, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and try these, uh, what's the name of that dessert? Uh, fantastic. Um, 
little creamy the custard mustard. tarts yeah the portuguese the custard yeah. tarts yeah i don't remember what they're called the yeah portuguese. the nata something yes yeah 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 um, i suck sorry guys so this is very 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 good even the ones at the airport are actually very good so i recommend yeah. you buying some it's one of the delicacies of that country talking about uh, food i recommend also your last episode of mastication nation <laughs> that was fun a, a redux episode because uh, poor you you had to do it twice <laughs> you'll understand by listening to the first five minutes what happened so you invited Greg, with whom you're creating Attaché, and you're going over the food you've been in, what, 40 cities? I don't think you described the 40 cities, but it's it's a very cool episode. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for... for yeah, we, we just talked about some of the best and worst food we had on the, the 40 episodes we've recorded so far. You were very kind with the worst. I thought you would mention worse than that. I th- Not I much know. food were I like, oh, this is foul. But uh, there, you know, <laughs> well, the one or two that we mentioned, I think I said in the episode, there's one or two where I'm like, well, I'm not going to hurry back to have this. But <laughs> others were life-changing, so... <laughs> Also, guys, note that sometimes, uh, I don't know about Mastication Nation, but even here sometimes, we're kinder about certain airports that we actually are offline because we don't want to put everyone angry, but there's some airports also, that yeah, airport. we stop the recording and say, that airport sucks. We're not going to tell you which ones we talk about those, but <laughs> we sometimes do that. So what are you next flights, Alex? You have a lot. Uh, Let's pretend we're not going to record one before maybe four weeks because we don't know what's going to happen. So you have what? I do London to San Jose with my family on BA Dreamliner. And then we get settled. And then the next day I do, (laughs) this is so dumb, but I do London, no, London, San Francisco, Detroit, Detroit, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Dublin, Dublin, DFW, Dallas, Dallas, San Francisco, in the space of about 24 hours. <laughs> I'm on the ground in Amsterdam for three hours. That's a great content for our show, though, so I'm very happy that you're doing that. Yeah, three different a... airlines. The jet lag situation will be also very interesting, because by the time you'll arrive in Auckland, say in California, you would in one day you beat, what, two hours of jet lag, but then you go back to Amsterdam, which is one hour plus in the UK, and then you go back to the US, your body will be in a yeah, sad state. I will not be doing anything for several days after that. <laughs> and after that, is there anything else on the horizon? Uh, you uh, said yeah, Seattle? Couple, couple Seattle, Boston. Uh, probably an LA trip, maybe a Mexico City. It's a busy summer. Awesome. As for me, Asia, it is. I'll explain that in the forthcoming episodes because not all the flights are booked. Tokyo, for sure. That's cool. in about two weeks. So let's see. Either we record before Alex actually flies with his family to the US. Or we'll figure out something afterwards. Alex always brings his microphone with him in California. but So no promises, guys. I hope that we'll be back in two, three weeks. Maybe we'll have to wait for a month. Please forgive us in advance. But we are trying new stuff for you guys. We're here to serve you. That's why we're doing all this, right? (laughs) (laughs) Safe travels, Alex. Thanks, safe travels. Yeah, every time I say that itinerary out loud, I'm like, what are you doing? 